Hello, everybody, and welcome to Preparing the Way. We're doing a series right now called Nobody Ever Told Me That. And it's a series that's looking at some foundational truths that for many Christians, they go for years and years in their lives without knowing. For example, have you ever heard a testimony that goes a bit like this? I got saved 30 years ago. I got baptized in water 15 years ago. I got filled with the Holy Spirit just last year. And you say to someone who, with a testimony like that, why did it take 30 years for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost? And invariably the reply will be, because nobody ever told me. I have found that there are some basic scriptural truths that I think the devil wants to hide from God's people. And that's what this series is about. Scripture says this, for lack of knowledge, God's people perish. Knowledge. And I wouldn't have thought that. It means that there are key pieces of knowledge in the Bible that if I don't have them, my life can perish. That means to wither away. Welcome once again to Preparing the Way. Through this series, nobody ever told me that, we're going to look at healing, prosperity, deliverance, salvation, and keys for your life. So please stay with us. You can go to our website. The address is on the screen there. You can find many other teaching series there also. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's program. God bless you. Christian, a typical new believer, I was hearing a lot of truth, truth that was new to me. But, and as I took it in, I began to, to you know, grow in truth. But there was something that I should have equally grown in, and that thing is grace. Many believers have a lot of truth, and not enough grace to counterbalance it. And that's the situation I found myself in. And that's the situation that I see many, many, many people in today. We shouldn't be. Because nobody ever told me that. Nobody ever told me that I should have had a balance in my life. Someone should have pulled me aside. Right? And, and mentored me, discipled me. But that really didn't happen anywhere near the way it should. The Bible says that Jesus came full of truth. No. The Bible says Jesus came into the world full. It's like at the beginning of John's gospel. He entered the world full of grace and truth. And you see, if you're imbalanced, and I still, you know, it's not like I'm over it. I need to think about this all the time. But a person who has overbalanced themselves on truth, you can be a very ugly person. You can be a very destructive person as a believer. You can be a very dangerous person and you know we need to be very very conscious of it today I want to look at it ask and answer a very simple question how do you become a minister of grace that is someone through whom to whom and through whom the grace of God flows you see I reckon it's the, the truth bit is a lot easier the truth element is a lot easier for us to take because it sits better, I think, with the human nature. We have fallen nature is religious. Simple as that. And so the, the truth bit is quite easy to get. You can appropriate it easily. But the grace bit ain't so easy to get. Receiving grace, changing through the grace of God, that is not easy. And typically, the church in history has not done a good job in being balanced. If you look back or even look at the world today, you look at the typical evangelical type structures. I mean, I won't mention any names, but evangelicals, they tend to be very strong on truth. Maybe even in some cases a little bit imbalanced on truth. And you look at Pentecostals, 
who in some ways can often overcorrect on grace. And historically, it's just a fact. People tend to go one way or another, and that is not good. It's not good biblically. It doesn't lead to a healthy Christian life. It's not just the church, by the way, that has a problem with this. It's also countries, governments. That's why you get communist systems, dictatorships on one side, and you get liberal societies on the other. And and governments also struggle to control their people and don't know quite how to do that. And the Bible gives us great, great guidelines with this. So, to begin with, let's ask about you. Are you, if you imbalance, and it's, to be honest, friends, it's very unlikely that anyone is going to naturally achieve a balance in grace and truth. It's very unlikely. It's much more likely that you're going to have a tilt one way or the other. You're either going to be so gracious that you end up in liberalism, which is no good for anyone, or you'll be so legalistic yeah. and into the truth that you, you know, you'll crash and your gospel, your life, your representation of God will not be valid. It will be invalid because of an imbalance in truth. So who are you then? When you go to represent Christ everywhere you go, is it a good picture you're presenting of him or is it in some way imbalanced? Where are you with this? We know where Jesus was, right? John tells us straight off the bat, he came full of grace and truth. And so that's what we must be. For example, if you looked at Jesus Christ, if you looked at his face, the face tells you a lot about a person, you know. If you looked at the face of Jesus Christ, was it a yes face or a no face? Which was it? You could really get confused about that reading the Gospels, that's for sure. Well, the answer is it was a bit of both, really. Jesus had a no face to religious people. He hated legalism. He went after the religious types. Jesus had a no face to those who put weights on others they couldn't carry themselves. Right? But Jesus definitely had a yes face to the lost, to sinners. And it never ceases to amaze me. Sinners flocked to Christ. I wish that was so with me. It's not the case. Something wrong with me then. Sinners don't flock to me. And that's to my shame. I need to work on that. I need to become somehow more attractive to them. Remember, he didn't compromise his truth. No way. Of course not. He just kept his faith, his grace, up to speed with the truth. That's all. So when you looked at Christ, I believe he definitely had a no face to the religious types and a yes face to sinners, a compassionate, empathetic face to sinners. You see, legalists are everywhere. You can listen to them. You can hear them in the crowd. They're always full of what you can do and can't do, do's and do's and don'ts, you know? Pumping them at you. Full of their own expectations of you. These are my standards, and if you don't reach them, I'll come after you, I'll judge you, that's what I'll do. Legalists are everywhere within the church. Giving you, putting upon you their own demands, they tend to be pretty grim-faced people. Killing spontaneity, killing creativity within the church. And you know the most scary thing of all? They've always got a Bible. Sorry. Do you know what else? They're also in church. Got a Bible? (laughs) Don't worry. 
It gets very difficult to tell who the legalists are and who are not. And I need to look at myself and think, hey, have I got an imbalance? As I say, I had an extreme imbalance in my early years. Now, surprisingly, do you know the word grace never came out of the mouth of Jesus? It's never recorded. It's all over the Bible, but it's not there. It means to show condescending favor, to reach down. And there's many, many different descriptions of it. I love the one that says, love that goes upward is worship. Love that comes downward is grace. I think that's the, uh, the most beautiful description of grace that I've ever heard. But we use the word so loosely, so slackly, you know. We use it to describe, say you see a wonderful dancer or something. We say, you know, that's so gracious. Or you see someone with a great gift. I went to school, there was a punk rocker used to sit beside me. And you know, he'd have all the colors and the metal and the stuff. And in art class, that guy, man, he was gifted. He could just take a piece of paper and And the teacher used to come over to him and say, man, you have a gift. Yes, he did. That's grace right there. That's a grace into someone's life. And we use the word in a very broad way to describe maybe dancing or a gift or an empowerment if someone has a, another type of gift, say a power gift, like healing. True, amen, because the gifts operate by grace, right? They operate by your faith in what God has put in you. Every person here has a gift, but it won't operate unless you apply grace to it. So we're very liberal in some senses with the word. We apply it to kindnesses. If someone does a, a kindness, we say they've been gracious to us. We say grace before meals, right? Very often Jeanette will cook me a dinner. She'll bring it and put it in front of me. I'll look at it and I'll say, let's pray. <laughs> we apply it when someone is patient. And the most classical definition is unmerited favor, right? So grace is a multifaceted thing. And we don't see anywhere near enough of it in our lives. I don't have enough of it in my life. But you know what? At the end of today, you can have more. Simple as that. God is not holding it back. He wants to get grace to you and through you. But it's us that stop him. It's us maybe not understanding. If you had more grace in your life, there would be more laughter in your life. Right? More laughter. Laughter is not a sin. Having fun is not a sin. Right? There'd be more laughter in your life. There'd be more music coming from your heart. Natural music, because of the presence of the grace of God. There'd be more friendship. There'd be more friendship with other believers. You'd be a lot easier to get on with, right? You know, the, the more legalistic a person is, the quicker they leave the building at the end of the meeting. It's often true, I'm afraid. Legalists can't stand fellowship. Can't stand time with other Christians. Do you know how I know that? Because there's a great big legalist inside me that I've always had to work on and still work on today. You need grace to love people. You need grace to enjoy people. You need grace in some ways, you know, to be more lovable. So legalists can't stand fellowship. They only like the formal part of meetings and then they're gone. You need grace to enjoy fellowship, which is a core element of our faith, right? And our practice. 
So grace will bring more laughter into your life. It will bring more music from your heart, more friendship and fellowship that edifies so much and cause you to be beautiful because it truly is a beautiful thing. I bring more ease in forgiveness because there's lots of hurts in life and we need grace to smooth them over. So there will be more of everything good. The more grace you have, the more of these good things will be naturally in your life. And there'll be less of everything bad, less envy, less criticism, less judgmentalism, and you'll be a happier person for it. And those around you probably a lot happier too, amen. So let's look this morning at some specifics, just five quick specifics that you need and I need to help grace be produced in my life to increase the amount of grace within us. First point, today, claim the grace to be who you are. God has made you an individual. He's made you unique. You're one of a kind. Claim the grace to be the person that you are and not to have to conform to others' expectations of you, right? But just to be the person that you are, right? When I got saved, I had two born-again believers in my office. One was a Presbyterian. The other one was a Pentecostal. And the Presbyterian said to me, why don't you come to my church? I thought, fine, no problem. I'm not taking a pot shot at the Presbyterians. It just happened to be, that's what it was. And we went along this Sunday and, whoo, wow. That was one tense place, you know. It was like a dentist's waiting room. Everybody seemed nervy and fearful. I thought, heavens above, I'm frightened to breathe. And you look around, I was expecting Bella Lugosi to walk out or something. It was, it was really rigid. Now, those people were 100% sincere. There was nothing wrong with the place in other ways. But I tell you what, it's not me. It's not me. And if I was to go there, I would be going there to please someone. But it certainly wouldn't be God because I couldn't be myself in that place. No problem, but I need the grace to be who I am, thank you. I need you to give me the grace to be who I am. And I need it within myself. I need that freedom to be relaxed and say, look, I don't have to go there, thanks. A few weeks later, another guy, the Pentecostal, takes me to his church and talk about jumping to another extreme, right? I remember the children were making quite a bit of noise through that, that meeting. And the pastor quoted that thing, and I didn't know anything about the Bible, didn't know anything about God at all. I just got saved. And I think it was, suffer the little children to come on to me. And I was trying to listen to the message, and there's like chaos, liberalism. And I remember the very nice church, very nice pastor, everything was fine but it's not for me. And I don't know about you, but it took me a long, traumatic search to find a church that I felt was balanced. And I thank God for VFC because this has been a, it's been a blessing to me. I feel for me that suits me. Suits me down to the ground because there's enough truth and we don't, we're not stupid in that way. There's a balance between grace and truth and I love that and I can be myself. It's a hard walk to find the right place. But see... No grace, no peace. If there's no grace in your marriage, there'll be no peace in your marriage. If there's no grace in the church, there'll never be peace within the walls. There's always trouble going on. No grace in your workplace that you're bringing in. There may be struggles and strife. Peace causes grace to come. And I want to just give you an example of something that happened to me a number of years ago where grace was absent and it caused a lot of trouble. I'll choose a very controversial area, alcohol drinking. 
I was in a church, I wasn't a pastor at the time, I was just a member in this church, and the pastor in that church hated alcohol. I mean, passionately hated alcohol. And one day he was preaching, he was up there, he was going full throttle, and he wanted to say to drink alcohol as a sin. And in the middle of his, you know, message, he said that. He said, of course, to touch alcohol, you drink alcohol, that's a sin. And I thought, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, whoops, shouldn't have said that. That's an error. That's a theological error. So I didn't say anything. He's a friend of mine, still is. At the end of the meeting, I said, come here, hey, you know what you said there is wrong? Okay, it's theological. No, 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 he didn't want to know. Okay, okay, okay. A few weeks go by and some of the women in the church asked to meet me and they said we're not happy. Because this is not right. Something's been said here. Not that they wanted to go crazy and get drunk or anything. They just weren't happy that an error had been stated and nothing was done. I said, leave it, leave it alone, Grace. <laughs> leave it, let's work on it. And I went to that guy several times. I said, you know what? You can't get up and make theological statements, pal. You, don't have, you may passionately want to say that. But you can't say it. Just because it's a hobby horse of yours doesn't mean you're allowed to act outside of Scripture. Now, you should correct yourself. Do you know what was, I don't know, a year and a half or something, and the thing was still coming up. And eventually he caved in and said, no, I said this, and it's not. You see, it's not a sin to drink alcohol, but you know that some people don't even have the grace for that. Some people can't even cope with that. Now, there's a lot in it. We, as a men's group, we met last year, and we talked this thing out extensively about how we saw it, and we came to a very you know, common denominator amongst ourselves. Do you know what the Bible says? It says, it is not given to a leader to drink much wine. Much. Everybody say much. Much. <laughs> much. So you see, a leader was permitted to drink. Many people would like to take Tipex and just take, take away the word much, I'm telling you. Watch it. Where's your grace? Where's your grace? You see? And, I, I mean, personally, I, I, I mean, I don't drink, and I don't think it's healthy to drink. I don't think, in our current society, this is the conclusion we came to. We decided, hey, do you know what? Especially within the UK, people are crazy. I mean, drink's gone mad. And so our conclusion was this. There are many things the Bible says are permissible, but not beneficial. Correct? They're permissible, but they're not beneficial. And to me, alcohol falls very firmly into that category. It's permissible, but it's not beneficial, especially in our culture. So we came to the conclusion, even though it is available to us, that we shouldn't drink, especially leaders shouldn't drink, and members, you shouldn't, just stay away from alcohol. But my point is this, the person who drinks doesn't sin. If they get drunk, they sin, of course. But you've got to be careful about grace. And as I say, some people don't even have the grace for that. When they see someone have a glass of wine with a meal and judgment rises, I tell you what, need to read your Bible, friend. Need to read your Bible. And get balanced here. Okay? Don't try and make everybody into your image. That's not your job description. But that's what happens. We get our own perspective on God and we spend our lives trying to force and conform everybody to be just like us. That's not a grace mindset. That's a legalistic mindset for sure. You don't need to be like me. And I don't need to be like you. And I will not accept it if you try and make me like you. Right? That's not it. We are both to follow Christ 
and it's to His image and His image alone that we are to be conformed. Amen. Amen. So claim the grace from God to be who you are. Don't waste your time in life trying to fit in with every Tom, Dick and Harry's idea of what a Christian is or what the Christian like. Don't let people put you down and judge you when you know in your own heart. And if you think, if you don't agree with me, go back and read what Paul says when, when he writes to Corinth. And he says, one man fasts on Monday and Tuesday, the other fasts on Sunday. One man eats meat, one man doesn't. And he's saying, for heaven's sake, guys, live within the boundaries of your own conscience and stop judging each other. Amen. And it's the same thing, you see. That's good. That's right. So be, be careful. My advice to you is don't drink. But I can honestly, with my hand before God, I can honestly say this. If we go out for a meal tonight and you're in that restaurant and you're having a glass of wine with your meal, it would not mean that much to me and I would think no less of you. Okay? Don't look at me like that. (laughs) First point, moving quickly on then. First point, claim the grace to be who you are. Claim the grace to learn from what you suffer. Do you know there's a lot to suffer in life? There's a lot to go through. There's a lot of pains, there's a lot of aches, there's a lot of trials and tribulations. And, you know, as a church, we've seen some, praise God, not too many. Hallelujah. But we see some terrible tragedies, terrible pains. And you know what I think? I think it's a double tragedy when you deal with someone who has a crisis of a situation, but they're not learning from it. It's a double hit. It's a double whammy when you look at someone who's going through a trauma or something and they're not learning through the whole process. That's awful. Claim the grace to learn from what you suffer. There's an author called Watchman Nee and he has a a great chapter in one book about that very fact, about not concentrating on rights or wrongs, but learning from life and being Christ-like through the experiences that we go through. Just on that topic, we've got a friend in Ireland. We bring over missionaries from America a lot. And most of the time it goes fine. We don't have any trouble. American churches fund them and we put them out in different countries around the world and it goes fine. Every now and again you get a problem like we have with Pastor Jeff at the moment. There was another guy. There was only one other actually that I've ever experienced that got an issue with sending funds. And this was a guy called David Bulza. He's still in Ireland now. But he landed in there. He's only about 23 He had a team of six or seven people with him and they rented a house and the church was supposed to send funds every month, blah, 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 the usual story, and support their missionaries overseas. They didn't. And time went by, the team went back and David was left all on his own. And we were funding him as best we could, but we couldn't get enough money to him. And one winter, he had no oil for heating and he was cold. He had no food. He couldn't drive because he had no car tax and he couldn't afford, afford to get it. And David was there, stranded and abandoned in the south of Ireland, and we were working to get funds to him. And he sent me an email at that time just listing the problems that he had. So you're 23. You've trusted the church, you've gone out, you find yourself stranded. That's hard. That's tough. That's lonely. And he ends his, after listing all the problems that he has and seeing what we can do to help him, he ends his email like this. I printed it out and I kept the email. Am I bitter? Am I resentful? Heavens, no. It's all part of being a missionary. Grace. Claim the grace to learn from what you suffer. Claim the grace to go through and not to waste the experience. 
In Jonah chapter 2 and verse 8, it says this, Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. I love that line. Those who cling, see David's in this, he can cling to resentfulness. You can cling to hurt, you can cling to pain. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And no matter what the trial, no matter what the circumstance or the suffering, you can benefit from it. For all things can work together for good. But we've got to do it God's way. You've got to plug into God, you know, and receive the grace to get through it. He's a wise young man. Am I bitter? Am I resentful? Heavens, no. I'm a missionary. And I will, I will use this experience to advance my own life. Claim the grace to be who you are. Claim the grace to learn from the things that you suffer in life. And thirdly, claim the grace to respond to the different things that you encounter. God has got grace each day. New mercy, amen. His mercies are new every morning. And God's grace is available to you on a daily basis. You can look to heaven, you can listen to God, and He will help you through the day, tomorrow, today. We had a drop-in center in Dublin, and it was a difficult place to run, but it was fine. Very, very busy place. And I was going there just preparing myself to open up the center, right? And I'm just praying, and God speaks to me. And he said this, it's going to be a bad day. And when God tells you it's going to be a bad day, you know what I mean? I thought, "Uh uh-oh. And I started to feel really heavy. I was going in, oh dear, it's going to be a bad day. So I go down, and I say nothing. Jeanette comes, I say nothing, open up the door, and we just get, do you know... All hell broke loose in that place. They were throwing chairs. There was fights. It was mayhem from we opened till we closed. And we stuck out our time. Everything was gone. People were out. I locked the door. I turned around. And she said to me, wow, you handled yourself well. Grace. I had a warning. I had a warning. And I was prepared for that. Just, do you know why? Because I gave God time to talk. That simple little, you know, thing like that. Giving him a moment to tell you. If you walk into a problem and you didn't see it, did you talk to God, you know, or have you lost your hearing altogether? Giving God that little moment and he took it and warned me. It's going to be a bad day. You better get ready. And because I was ready, I had the grace to tolerate all that behavior and to get through it holding our testimony together. Claim the grace. Every day to respond to whatever you might encounter, but also you need to have it for others. You need to leave your house, hopefully, with grace to give to people. People need grace. We need to be ministers of grace. All the circumstances we find ourselves in. We were in Liverpool. Again, we weren't the pastors of that church. It was another church. It was an Elam church, actually. And we were praying one morning before we left for church. We were just preparing ourselves to go. And I had a vision of the pastor of that church. And he was shot. Not physically shot. He was spiritually shot. He had fallen down. I saw him. And he had armor on. And he was wounded, but not fatally. And what's more, it wasn't his fault. And I felt, I felt very bad for him. I was praying for him. Praise God. Thank you for watching today's program. I hope you have been blessed and edified by what you've seen and heard. Folks, you can see how important it is for the teaching of God's Word to get out to the nations. I want to invite you to do something very significant for your life. 
and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. You can go to our website there where you'll find a way in which you can join up with us and partner with us to take these essential teachings, essential truths out to the nations of the world. Thank you for watching and God bless you.